If you've got your Bibles, turn me to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Hold that scripture because we'll be looking at that throughout the message today. And Once you find that, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. We'll be looking at that scripture first. I don't mean to throw you guys off, but we'll look at 1 Thessalonians first. Probably one of the most... Explicit Bible verses, if you will, related to a matter of being thankful. And we'll be speaking to you this morning on this. In everything, give thanks. In everything. Everybody say everything. everything. Now, I want that to soak in just a little bit. In everything, give thanks. Now, I want you to think a little bit about everything that you've got going on in your life. I want you to think about the things, the ups and the downs, the trials of life, all the things that you're dealing with, say that with me, in everything. <laughs> Give thanks. Sometimes that's hard to do it, right? Sometimes that's tough to do. In everything, give thanks. In my good times, in my bad times. In those moments where I received those phone calls I didn't want to get, in those times. In those moments that I'm elated and things is just going my way, I'm just happy and I'm being thankful in everything, give thanks. Verse 18 says, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What is the will of God? That you will give thanks in everything. That you will give thanks in everything. The good times, the bad times, the ups and downs, you'll give thanks in everything. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. This verse here, when you look at it, really commands you and I to give thanks unto the Lord. Not for everything, because I've got to be honest with you, there's some things I'm not thankful for. Hello? There's some <laughs> stories that I've got I'm not thankful for. There's some life experiences, Sister Sue, I'm not thankful for. I, I, you know, but he tells us, but in everything. Not for everything, but in everything. There's a big difference. <clears throat> now, we ought to be thankful, not just because we're told to be thankful, but really because we've got a lot to be thankful for. We really do. We've got a lot to be thankful for. I've discovered, I don't know about you, but I've discovered that being thankful is a very, very fickle thing. It's a very, very wishy-washy sort of thing. Many times our thankfulness focuses on things about our physical nature that we're thankful for. Things like this. I'm thankful for my health. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my home. I'm thankful for maybe my financial stability. I'm thankful for the things I have. Yet all of these things that I've mentioned to you this morning, and there's probably others, every one of those things are subject to change. Every one of them is subject to change. I mean, think about it. Health will change, right? I mean, I'm at the age now that my mind says one thing, but my body says a total different thing. The things that I used to be able to do. You remember a few months ago, we used to have some pictures hanging up out here in the hallway. And, and if you'd go by there, there's a little bitty skinny guy. 
that's up on a roof rafter of an iron rafter about an inch to an inch and a half, two inches wide that we built over at Cherry Street. You remember those, Dad, that we put up? I was on top of those things with no safety net underneath, with no string or rope tied with me. I was just straddling that thing, going up, putting rafters up. Today, if you'd asked me to do that, mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm smarter than that now. My mind says, yeah, I can do that, but my body says, no, it can't. And so there's, there's those things like that. I mean, health can break. Those things can change. Families can split up. Bank accounts can run dry. So what do we do then, and how does that affect our thankfulness? How does that, how does that get, our, get in our mind concerning if we're going to be thankful or not? I want to suggest to you this morning that we can remain thankful in all those physical blessings that we enjoy and that we can learn to look beyond the changing things of life to some things that simply never change. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but there's some things in our life that never changes. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you just one of those things is God never changes. God never changes. Look with me, Will, in Hebrews chapter 13. I want you to look, Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 6. The Bible says this, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Look down at verse number 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I mean, when you think about it, in a world that we live today, in a world that's shifting every day, in a world that's changing every day, in a world that's swirling around every day, we don't know what's going to happen today or tomorrow. Amen. We can wake up in a new world tomorrow. We can wake up in a new world on Monday morning. We can wake up in, uh, in a new world on Tuesday, the voting day. I mean, this world is constantly changing. In fact, we live in an age where everything seems to be changing before our very eyes. Matter of fact, in, in, technology seems to change so fast. If I listed things for you today, if I give you the top new modern iPhone or the, or the Samsung phone or the computer or whatever the case may be, I promise you, before they could write a manual for this thing, it would change. Before night, it would change. Everything is changing. And not only have we seen technologies change quickly today, but we have also seen politics and political parties and national boundaries and international boundaries and currencies change and the list goes on and on and on and on we could go. And in the midst of all of these climate of sweeping changes that the world is caught up in, there's also been scores of people, scores of people that have been swept into this, this seismic shift, if you will, in core biblical values. I remember you think about it some 20 years ago and 25 years ago, what we thought was right back then is not necessarily right today. You know what I'm talking about? What is right today is wrong in some folks' mind. Right is wrong and wrong is right. And all of these biblical values that we grew up with and understanding that, we, that, that planted us and gave us the foundation, all of those things seem to be changing. Morals and values, even concerning the most tenets of our faith today, seems to be changing. But can I tell you something? There's one thing that does not change, and it's God Almighty, and it's God 
God's word. His word will not change. And if you and I can hold on to the nail-scarred hand of Jesus Christ, if we can hold on to the word of God in this shifting time that we're in, we can stay true to the gospel. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're going to clap, clap. Amen. Thank you, Brother Richard. Hallelujah. These changes are occurring, really, when you think about it, at an alarming rate. But we don't need to be surprised about it. I mean, the Holy Spirit warned us some 2,000 years ago in advance that things like this would occur in the last days. Matter of fact, many today are abandoning the positions of faith to embrace new positions of faith, to embrace these new things of faith. And in the midst of this ever-changing environment, it's good to remember that there is one thing, as I said earlier, that never changes, and that's Jesus Christ, amen. He was in the past exactly who he is today in the present, and he is in the present who he precisely he will be in the future, and he'll be in the future and from eternity when you and I get there and we hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, and we get to live in that place that he's prepared for you and I, he still will be the same God, the same Lord, our same Savior. He's still Jesus today. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why Hebrews told us Jesus is the same today. Yesterday, today, and forever our Savior does not change. Look with me, if you will, one more time in verse number five. In Hebrews, verse number five said, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm telling you that his abiding presence will be with us forever. He doesn't walk away from me. I walk away from him. He doesn't leave me. I leave him. Hello? He's not going to wake up one day and say, hey, I don't like the way you look today. So I'm leaving you. He's not going to wake up one day and say, hey, I don't like what you've done yesterday, so I'm going to leave you. No, he doesn't leave me. I will leave him if that's the case. Matter of fact, regardless of where the path of life leads, we are never alone. Amen. Matthew 28 and 20 says this, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Isaiah 41 and 10 said this, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. He goes on to say, Sister Mavis, I'm going to strengthen you. He said, yes, I'm going to help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I don't know if you're here today and you're weak in your spiritual body today. I don't know if you're weak in your spiritual mind today, but my Bible tells me fear not. The Lord says, I am with you. Amen. It goes on to say, I don't need to be dismayed. In other words, I don't need to get rocked up a little bit. I don't need to get on shaky ground a little bit. I've got to know, Sister Reigns, that God is God and he all Always will be God. He was God in the past, he's God today, and he's God in the future. If he can help me back then, he can help me today. And if he can help me today, he's gonna help me tomorrow, amen. I ain't gotta be dismayed. Why, pastor? Because God said, I am gonna strengthen you. I am gonna pick you up. I am gonna withhold you. I'm gonna take you where you need to go. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He's a God that never changes. He's a God that never changes. He's a God that's always the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
My Bible tells me in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. <laughs> Are you happy today? Are you joyous today? Well, if you're sitting here and you say, Pastor, I ain't joyous today, well, you need to get in the fullness of God. Amen. Amen. Because in the fullness of God, there's joy. Amen. In the fullness of God, there's joy. And it goes on to say there's pleasure forevermore. Now, this ain't in my notes, but let me just stop here long enough to just to let you know a little something. This pleasure he's talking about, it ain't what the world's talking about. Uh-uh. I'm thankful. In everything, give thanks, right? I'm thankful, Brother Sam, that when night comes, I can lay my head down to rest, and I ain't got to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. Say, Pastor, that's just simple. That I don't do that. Well, there's some folks that can't lay their head down to rest. There's some folks that don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. There's some folks that don't want tomorrow to come, amen, because of the things that's going to be taking place. But in my relationship with the Lord and in my relationship knowing that there's a fullness in the presence of God and there's pleasure forevermore, I can lay my head down tonight and I can rest soundly tonight knowing that God's got me. If I die in my sleep, he's got me. If I get up the next morning, he's got me. If I go through the next day, he's still got me. Why? Because God is my God. He's a God that never changes. Amen. <laughs> his presence in our lives is everything. Oh, yes, it is. His presence is everything to us. His presence is a, when you look in scriptures, is a, is a distinguishing factor of who we serve today. Buddha don't do it for me. Muhammad don't do it for me. All those other gods that claim to be God, they don't do it for me. But God does it for me. Jesus does it for me. Amen. Israel was just another nation. Think about this. Without the presence of God. Isn't it amazing that this little nation over there, that everybody's trying to come against it, it seems like. It's amazing. It's not Israel that they're going against. It's God that they're going against. Why? Because God got his hand on the nation of Israel. In your prayers, I hope you pray for the nation of Israel every day. Lift them up in the name of Jesus. They would have been destroyed without God fighting for them. And I, can't, I ain't got time to go there. Moses wouldn't go without the presence of God. That's how important the presence of God was to Moses. Gideon, is, as one man, would, would deliver the nation simply because of the presence of God. You remember the story of Gideon? The prophet stood in the presence of the Lord. John's revelation was in the presence of the Lord. His presence is everything to you and I. I don't want to get up here this morning and preach to you without the presence of God Almighty. I don't want to live one day without the presence of God Almighty. I don't want to go through my life without God's presence abiding in me. I don't want to make any decision without God's presence making those decisions with me and for me, amen. I don't want to take one step without knowing, Sister Reigns, that I'm making it in the presence of God Almighty. His presence means everything to me, amen. Hallelujah. Think about this. David said in Psalms, the nearness of God is my good. He said the nearness of God is my good. He goes on to say in Psalms 84, better is one day, Lord, in your house than thousands elsewhere. 
Better is one day, God, in your house than thousands elsewhere. Think about this. When the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, was at the home of Obed-Edom, everything flourished in Obed-Edom's house for those three months. I mean, think about it. You've heard me preach about this before. There, there the Ark of the Covenant shows up one day. Obed-Edom, he's going about doing his normal routine, his normal things, and all of a sudden the king knocks on the door. Hey, can we leave this with you? Think about how he felt. And the Bible said he stayed with him. And for those months that he stayed, everything flourished. Every, amen. I mean, the cattle done good. The kids done good. His wife done good. The housing done good. The land's done good. Everything flourished. Why? Because it was because the presence of God that was around him. You ain't happening. It ain't happening in your life. Things is not going like you want it to go. Maybe you need to get back into the presence of God Almighty because even when things are not going like they should, his presence should mean everything to you and I. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And so it is with knowing God, the flourishing of our life will be an exact proportion to the attention that you give his presence. Think about that. The exact proportion to what you give, the attention you give to his presence. Only when his presence is the centerpiece of our lives can he make our lives his masterpiece. What is it every day when you get up? What do you think about what is most important in your life? What is most important when you stand before the Lord? What is most important when you stand before man? What is most important when you stand before your wife or your husband or your family? What is most important? It should be God's presence in your life. Amen. Bill Johnson said this, Never let anything get bigger in your consciousness than the awareness of his presence. Than the awareness of his presence. Look with me, Will, in verse number 6. We've already read it, but let me read it one more time. It says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. Can you hear me? The Lord is my helper. Government's not my helper. My bank account's not my helper. My car is not my helper. My best friend is not my helper. The Lord is my helper. It says, I will not fear. What can man do to me. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? The word helper comes from a word that we would simply means to run. It's this idea that when you and I are in need of the Lord, we run to his aid and he runs to us. We, as we run to him, he runs to us. Amen. God shows up. He's there. He is our comforter. Amen. John 14 says he's the paraclete. He's the one that comes alongside of. He's the one that gives greater aid. He's the one that gives a greater comfort. When I'm in need, he is an assisting presence in my life. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go on. Let's go on. Look at verse number eight. The Bible says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. What are you talking about, Pastor? You can anchor down in him. Is that all right kind of talk? You can anchor down in the presence of God Almighty. 
I ain't got to worry about what's going to be taking place. I can hanker down in his presence. One of the greatest sources that you and I have today of thanksgiving is in the truth that Jesus never changes. What he was then is what he is now. And from before creation on into eternity, Jesus has never, nor will he never change. Amen. He's still the same in the Old Testament when he said, I am the great I am. I am he he still possesses all power in heaven and in earth and Matthew tells us we can always be thankful for our Savior because he never changes hallelujah he never changes let's read on verse number 9 chapter 13 do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines for it is good that the hearts be established by grace, not with foods which have profited those who have been occupied with them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Look at verse number 12. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. What are you talking about? I'm talking about our salvation today. I'm talking about the salvation that he blessed me with. Now understand something right here. In my opinion, salvation never changes. Never changes. God can save you to the uttermost. Listen to me, somebody. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. He can still save you. Amen. He knows exactly where you are. I don't care how much you think that I, I've done so many bad things, Pastor. There is no way that God can, can save me. Oh, yes, he can. How do I know that? Because the blood that he shed on Calvary. How do I know that? Because the cross. It never changes. Now, here's the, here's the key. I can change it. I can change it. I can choose to turn around and walk away from it. But if I choose not to, he's still holding on to me. Let me help somebody. Which simply means if I go through life next week and I mess up. Hello? Pastor, you can't mess up. You're, you're the pastor. Well, I know it. But I'm human too. Hello? I can mess up. But when and if I do, I have an advocate with the Father. My salvation doesn't change just because I blow it. My salvation doesn't change just because I mess up. I can go back through grace, the Bible said, and I can obtain my salvation again. Now, it doesn't mean that I can continue in that way. Hello? Let me help some of you. I don't believe this thing that once you get saved 15, 20 years ago, you can live any way that you want to. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to be ugly here, but I believe there's a standard that God wants us to live by. There's a standard, there's a responsibility that I have. And if I live in sin and I give my life to Christ, there's some things I've got to turn away from. I've got to turn away from sin. God can't have sin in, the, in, in his sight. 
He died for sin. He died to set me free. His blood was shed that I might have life and have it more abundantly. Revelations 22 and 17 said this, and the spirit and the bride say come and let him who hears say come and let him who thirsts, let him come. Whoever desires him to take the water of his life freely, let him come. What are you talking about? I'm telling you it's simply because of the mercy and the grace of almighty God that you and I are able to be in the house today, amen. It's because of his mercy and because of his grace that he got us up this morning. It's because of his mercy and because of his grace that he give me breath in my body today that I can get out into the house of the God and I can choose to lift holy hands unto him and I can choose to lift my voice in praise unto holy God and I can choose to say, God, you are supreme in my life and I give my life to you, O Lord. How is that possible, Pastor? Through grace in the Lord. Through grace. Now, now hear me, sometimes I think we abuse grace. Sometimes I think we abuse mercy. And we think sometimes, Brother Roger, we can do whatever. God's okay with that. God's a God of love. God is not going to send me to, to a devil's hell. Hell was not created for me and and God, it was created for the devil and his angels. And you're right a little bit about that. God don't want to send you to hell, but you can. You can because of the decisions that you make and because you simply won't turn. It's grace. Think, think about how you came to know him. Think about it. Think way back yonder, some of you. You were dead in your sin, and yet he sought you. You were dead in your sin, and yet he sought you. He called you. He died for you. He died for you. He redeemed you, and he keeps you today. And all you had to do was simply exercise the faith that he gave you. Why? Because he did it all for us. He did it all for us. I am so thankful that even though I wasn't born when Jesus walked on the earth, but Sister Jeanette, he looked down through time. And he saw a little fellow that needed to be saved. I'm so thankful that he looked down through time and he saw every one of you that said, I need to, I need to die for them. He said in the Garden of Eden, God, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. And he died for you and I. How do you know that, Pastor Ephesians tells us in chapter 2, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anybody should boast. There was a price that he paid. There's a price, Sister Mary, for our salvation. There was a price that Jesus paid so that I could be saved today. There's a price that he paid, and he went to the cross for you and I. Was it easy? No. Was it painful? Yes. Did he bear the burden? Yes. Not only the pain of, of the crown of thorns and the nails in his hands and his feet and the, and the spear in his side and hanging up there on that cross, but he bore the pain of our sin that he carried. For us, the price was low. For God, the price was unimaginable. For God, the price was everything. Our salvation cost God the life of his son. You know the old... Scripture that we read often, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
that he gave his only begotten son. What are you talking about, Pastor? His death on the cross is what provided salvation for you and me. And there is no way that you and I can adequately describe the gory details of his death and the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the prophet Isaiah tells us something about which he suffered in Isaiah 53, verse 4, when the Bible said, Surely, surely he has borne our grief and he's carried our sorrow. Yet we esteemed him stricken. He was smitten by God and he was afflicted. But the Bible said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Is anybody in the house need a healing today? Just put up your hands right now. Stick your hand up way up and speak praying this bible says of mine he was wounded for our transgression he was bruised for our iniquity and by his stripes we are healed today in the name of jesus be healed today in the name of jesus be healed today in the name of jesus be set free today goes on to say all sheep have gone astray we have turned every one to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. What are you talking about, Pastor? You and I today can be thankful every day that even though he knew what we were. Some of y'all didn't get that. We can be thankful today that even though back then in our sin, in our destitute state, in our sorry state, in that state of alcoholism and drug abuse, in that state of prostitution, in that state of whatever we found ourselves, in that state, in that state, you and I can be thankful that he knew what we were and what we would be like after he saved us. That he still, he still, he still even in my sin, he still even in my dirtiness, he's still even in my junk, he still went to the cross for you and for me. Hallelujah. He died. He went to the cross. He went to the cross. Look at this scripture one more time. Therefore Jesus, in verse 12, also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, he suffered outside of the gate. There was a purpose. There was a purpose. He just didn't, he just didn't come just because. There was a purpose. Brother Joe, he, he just didn't leave the throne just for something because he was bored in heaven. There was a purpose behind it. There was a purpose. We're told here that he suffered death so that he might sanctify the people. He might sanctify the people. You know what sanctify means, right? It simply means to separate from the vain things of life. It means to separate and to be set apart for God's use. <coughs> now listen, a lot of us, and I hope many of us in this, in this house are saved. But the question I have, since we've been saved, have we been sanctified? Now, I don't want to hurry up right here because I want that to sink in a little bit. Because if you're sanctified, you've been set apart. Do you understand that when the Lord saves you, there's still things in your life that you need to get rid of? 
You've heard me say this before, but if I was brought up into a home where they was cussing and swearing all the time, and that's what I'm accustomed to, and God looked down on me and saved me one day, I'm still accustomed to that. Doesn't mean that that's gone. I'm still accustomed to that. Hello? That makes sense? Y'all agree with me? I'm still accustomed to those things. If I'm an alcoholic and God gloriously saves me and I've been an alcoholic my whole life, I still might have some issues with alcohol. I'm not even going to get into this social drinking stuff. You want to know about it? Come and talk to me. That ain't my message, but it, it, it'd be a good one. But I'd have a problem with it. But along with my salvation comes my sanctification, which means I have learned then to put aside those vain things, those things that's contrary to the Lord, put aside those things, and to simply be set apart for his will. And his will is for me not to swear anymore. His will is for me not to cuss anymore. His will is not for me to be an alcoholic anymore. What kind of testimony is that? His will is for me to get off drugs and get my body back to where it needs to be. Hello. To be set apart. And I'm afraid sometimes so many of us in, the, in, our, in our houses of worship that we understand salvation, but we've never taken the time to study what sanctification means. And we need to. That's why he came. He died to take vile sinners out of their sins and set them apart from this world for the glory of Almighty God. He saved us so that we might become different. Everybody say different. Different. And that God might be able to be, for us to be used for his glory. Now hold on just a second right here. Sister Mary, he wants me to be used for his glory. Which simply means I cannot allow myself to go and do what the world is doing. We'll say that one more time because some of that needs to hit you. I can't allow myself to do what the world is doing and think everything is okay. I can't run with this friend over here and run with this friend over here and they're living in sin and everybody thinks that I'm still okay. Gotta be careful. There's some folks in our life we need to get rid of. Not me, I'm not trying to be ugly about this thing. But there's some folks in our life that's doing nothing but pulling us down. There's some folk in our life that is doing nothing but, but wreaking havoc on your life. You need to get away from them. Well, pastor, we're supposed to be Christians. We're supposed to share the love of Jesus with everybody. I agree with that. But if you've done, done that and they ain't listening to you, Somebody's got to make a decision. And you've got to get away from those things. I can't be saved. I can't be sanctified. I can't be filled with the spirit of, 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 of a holy God if I'm still walking in sin. I can't do that. And so there's a purpose that God... Second Corinthians tells us that therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It goes on to say that old things have passed away. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. All things become new. What are you talking about? I can be thankful today that I once was lost. I once was wicked. But now I've been cleansed. Now I've been set apart for God's glory. How? 
through the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. In everything give thanks. I'm thankful that I'm not what I used to be. I'm thankful that where I am today, but I'm not settled right here. I'm not satisfied right here in my relationship with God. Here's a key that many of us has got to the place that we've come from over there, but we've settled right here and we don't have any intention to go over there where God wants us to be. And God is calling us to get over there somewhere. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's move on real quickly. Verse number 13. The Bible says, Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing our reproach. Bearing his reproach. What are you talking about, Pastor? This verse here. It calls us to do, to, to do on the outside what's been done on the inside. Now, uh, my, my time is, somebody stop the clock. My time's running away from me. Because here's the, here's the thing. Here's the problem that, that us church folk have sometimes. We've been guilty about this. We've run a lot of folk away from the church simply because of our belief that when they get saved, we, we, all, we think we've got to tell them, well, you've got to get your hair cut. You've got to change your, way, your, your clothing that you wear. You've got, you got to do something with them tattoos. You've you got to do something with them ear bobs that you've got hanging around your ears and, 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 and then your nose and everywhere else. I grew up in a time, we was just talking about it to somebody a few minutes earlier today. I grew up in a time that if you was a preacher in the house, that you had to have a black suit, a white shirt, and a narrow black tie. Why do you wear blue jeans today, Pastor? Now you know. I'm not trying to pick on Dad. But, I don't know if anybody's noticed, I never, Brother David, I never remember my dad getting in the pulpit without a suit on. Never. I never, I've never seen him in the pulpit, but here lately, now he's still on Sunday morning, he'll, he will, he'll typically have a suit on. Even if he wasn't preaching, he's going to come to the church with a suit on, but I don't see no tie today. He's been saved. We finally got him. He's been sanctified. He's been delivered to the fact of, I'm, I'm, I'm being a little funny here, but I, I want to make a point. So often we, we confuse this thing. We become pharisaical. And with the Sadducees and the Pharisees of, of saying, you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to do this in order to serve the Lord. Can I tell you, God saved you in your wicked state just like you look. And it ain't up to me to tell you how to change your life. It's up to God to tell you how to change your life. But this is what I can promise you. If you've got the real deal in your heart, God's going to change you from the inside out. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me. Real quick. Verse 14, and we're closing. Therefore, verse 13, therefore let us go, go forth from him outside the camp bearing his reproach. Verse 14, for, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. I want you to listen. But we seek the one to come. My address, Sister Mary, is 141 South Wisdom, but that ain't my home. Now those of you that saved, you understand what I'm talking about. Those of you that, that's just started church and you, you may not have given your heart, you, you have, what in the world are you talking about? 
I've been living there since 1994, but it ain't my home. You could, call your, you could call your address the same way you've been living there for many years, but, but those of you that say that ain't your home, that's not your eternal home. It may be your temporary home, but it ain't your eternal home. Amen. We are reminded in this, in this verse that we are living in a world that is constantly changing. And if our, all of our hopes are placed in this world and in the physical realm, then you and I will be greatly, greatly disappointed, amen, and we won't be happy. But the child of God can rejoice in the fact that this world, that this world is not the end-all, tell-all of our Christian experience. Why? Because verse 14 tells us that there's something better down the road. Woo! Hallelujah. How do you know that? Revelation 21 verse 4 said this, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death and there shall be no more sorrow. There shall be no more crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. What are you talking about, pastor? I've come to tell you we are going to be with Jesus one day. We're going home to be with Jesus one day. We're going home to be with Jesus one day. John tells us, John tells us, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, because in my Father's house, there's many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go away to prepare a place for you, and if I go I will receive you and if I go to prepare that place I'm going to come again I'm going to come again I'm going to come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also hallelujah 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 come on stand up all over this house I don't know if you're troubled in this house this morning I don't know if you're heartbroken in this house this morning, but my Bible says don't let your heart be troubled today. Don't let your heart be troubled today. Just simply believe in God. Simply believe in God. We need to take a close look at the real, real divine blessings of the Lord today. Let us be thankful for the things that he gives us every day. Let us praise him for our health. Let us praise him for our families. Let us praise him for our financial blessings. And so on and so on. We don't need to take those things for granted. But also, let us learn to be more thankful for the things that we can never lose. He can never lose this thing. I can't lose my God. I can walk away from him, but as long as I hold on to him, he's always going to be faithful to hold on to me. And when all the physical blessings have gone away, when all the physical blessings have faded, and we can find no reason to, for praise in them, then you and I, we can thank the Lord because there's some things that simply will not change. Our God doesn't change. Our salvation doesn't change. Our separation from the world will not change if we don't walk away from it and our sanctuary the place that we're going to live the place he's prepared for you and I that place that I believe with all of my heart brother Joe that the Lord is just getting ready to blow that trumpet for the God's people to call you and I home it will not change today hallelujah 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 in everything give thanks in everything give thanks Every head bowed and every eye closed. 
I know my time is up. But I want to ask you, are you able to do that today? Are you able to say, God in everything, I'm going to give you thanks. Am I able to proclaim today, in the good times, I'm going to praise him. And in the bad times, I'm going to praise him. Am I able to say when I get the bad news, I'm still going to give him praise? Am I able to say when I get the phone call that I don't want to get, I'm still able to give him praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Help me right here, Lord. I've been here at Pathway for a long time with every head bowed, every eye closed still. If you'll just, listen, just a, just a second. I've been here at Pathway for a long time. Dad pastored for 28 years. I'm either going on my 12th or 13th, I can't remember. So I've been here a long time. I've watched some of you over the years receive bad news and you still give him praise. Many times it blew me away how you were able to stand under the weight of what you had and what you received and you still gave him praise. I could call you by name, every one of you. I could call you by name and I can recall the, the moment. I can take you to the place. I can take you and show you the time. I remember getting called the call. You say, Pastor, does that mean that I'm less of a Christian if I can't do that all the time? That's not what I'm saying. But listen to me. Some of you, you've had some horrible, horrible things in your life, some tragedies in your life that you've had to contend with, but yet you're still here. I'm not saying every day is going to be perfect. It's not, but you're still here. God has still sustained you. God has still kept you by His grace and by His mercy. God is still showing to you His love and giving you the strength to make it every day. But if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, number one, if I, I need to be saved, then you need to be down at this altar right now. Whether you're in this balcony, whether you're in this main floor, whatever the case may be, if you need to be saved, you need to, be, you need to get out of the seat and you need to come and meet me down here. We'll pray with you. We'll love you. We'll ask the Lord to strengthen you. But if you're here today and you said, look, I, I'm finding it hard to be thankful for everything. I'm finding it difficult that in everything, as the scripture said, to give thanks. I, I didn't say you had to understand everything. There are some things that took place in my life I still don't understand. And I had to fight through them in order to give God praise. But if you're here and that's you, then would you come and let us pray with you just a second. Let us ask the Lord to give you exactly what you need today. I'm not going to prolong, but you know who you are. You know if you need to come to this altar right now. Right now, as we wait just a second. Right now. Would you come? Would you come?
dealing with some stuff, Pastor. I need prayer today. I'm going through some stuff. I need prayer today. I want to leave this house thankful. I want to leave this house feeling blessed. I want to leave this house feeling thankful in the name of Jesus. Father, right before we go and we pray with these that's in this altar today, I'm asking you right now, to the rest of the congregation in this house, oh God, to touch them. Speak to their hearts. There's several more, Lord, that I feel like that needs to be here. But for some reason, they've not chosen to come, and I'm not going to judge them about that. But Father, what I am asking you to do is to speak to their heart. Go into that deep place. Minister to them today. Minister to them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Minister to them. In the name of Jesus.